Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character and our culture saturated with media and technology. You know, we call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work, not only to keep on top of technology, but then decide how you're going to incorporate that into your family's lives. Our goal is to keep you informed and equipped to parent your tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. In the news, we're going to be talking about finding your life online, as well as the Red Sox banning Fortnite from the clubhouse. Our character focus is going to be on the virtue of moderation, and in our app's five facts, we'll be discussing the app Twitch. Our family focus will be discussing gaming apps on smartphones. All right, in today's news, the first thing we're going to talk about is this article that The Atlantic recently posted called When Kids Realize Their Whole Life is Already Online. This um, article focuses on this idea that we call sharenting. It's been kind of well talked about over the, the past couple of years as now kids are getting to this age that they've essentially grown up on social media. Children are reaching the ages of about 10 to 12. Their parents have been on Facebook or Instagram since its inception, and they're Googling themselves, and they're finding that their entire lives have been online. This idea of sharenting um, is so severe that it, as recent study found that 92% of toddlers by the age of two already have their own unique digital identity. So the question about sharenting becomes, is it okay for us as parents to publicly display our children's lives online, knowing that all of this information is essentially going to follow them and potentially the image that we portray can either harm or benefit them. Um, That becomes a real topic of whether or not we're doing the best thing for our children. The article from the Atlantic um, interviews several different children who have realized that their life has been already broadcasted um, over social media and the internet. And the reactions actually vary. We have some children who feel like they're famous and they love finding pictures and it's almost a competition between friends who could find the most pictures of themselves online. Whereas other children are responding with um, hurt or they feel violated or they don't like how their parents have portrayed them or they shared embarrassing moments. And a lot of times this concept of when you realize your life is already online is often when children want to take the reins of social media themselves. They want their own social media account so they can control what type of image they are portraying online, what pictures are being posted, sort of... um, controlling their reputation. What's interesting is in the U.S., we don't really have a whole lot of laws regarding whether or not this is um, morally right or wrong or legally right or wrong to share all this information. But in Europe, recently in 2014, the highest court ruled that internet providers must give users the, quote, right to be forgotten. So under this ruling, European citizens can petition to have any past damaging information or crimes committed as a minor, all of this hidden from Google search results, essentially protecting their adulthood from what they've done in their childhood. And in France, their strict privacy laws means that children can actually sue their parents for publishing intimate or private details of their lives without consent. 
So there are some strict policies in other countries. So being that this topic is so focused on our behavior as parents, um, I took to our Facebook community and, and asked, what is it um, about sharing Do you feel it's okay to share these pictures um, without your children's consent? What is the general consensus? And I received lots of great feedback. You know, from Rebecca on Facebook, she talks about how um, when she learned about Sharentine a few years ago, she decided that she was always going to ask her children whether or not she could post a picture. She also decided to use nicknames because they do have um, actual unique names that can be easily found online. So that way it adds another layer of protection. As well, she has a private account so that she knows exactly who it is who's viewing these pictures of her children. Heather on Facebook said, you know, my kids don't mind me posting. If it's a picture that they don't like, I do ask for their permission, but they love to look through my feed and seeing the various memories and moments. So some children are really okay with it, while others may take a stand. Um, I love also that Lisa on Facebook really gave some great tips about questions that we can ask ourselves. You know, simple ones like, would we have wanted our parents to post some of our, maybe our embarrassing moments or even our accomplishments or non-accomplishments on Facebook if it had existed back in the day. You know, is there something that's more private and sacred in your relationship with your child that shouldn't be posted? Also, you know, is there something selfish in us that wants to post about our kids to sort of um, make ourselves look better or to um, gain some sort of status symbol, right, on social media? You know, are we breaking confidence? Could what you post put a strain on your relationship with your child? And, you know, also, are you posting questionable things because you think they're never going to see it? That is definitely something that we know is not the case as everything on the Internet is permanent. And so um, I think these are great topics that we had in our Facebook community regarding this. Either way, wherever you stand, um, the, the Atlantic article is really great to read. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. I encourage you to read that and then rethink your own policy um, for your family, um, whether or not it is okay to share these things and at what age are you going to start asking for permission before you share. Also in the news, if you struggle with Fortnite and creating limits in your house, know that you are not the only ones. The Major League Baseball team, the Boston Red Sox, the management recently had to impose a Fortnite ban, amongst other games, in their clubhouse because the players were playing too much. Um, it's even rumored that one of their star pitchers, who makes $31 million a year, wasn't able to pitch in a specific game because he had carpal tunnel because of playing Xbox too much. Now, whether or not that's true... The point that we can um, really focus in on and use this to kind of help our children learn why it's important to set these limits and to self-moderate, we're going to talk about that character trait next, is that these are grown adults who are doing a professional job, you know, granted it's baseball, but they're being paid a lot of money to do this, yet they are incapable of setting their own limits. And there is someone above them who is imposing these limits on them for their own good, for the good of the team. And so that's where we as parents, you know, you can say, oh, this technology, it's always going always gonna to be here. They're going to have to learn to self-moderate. But even when they're adults, um, they struggle to self-moderate. So we always need accountability, no matter what age, no matter what the topic is, if it's food, if it's video games, whatever 
that topic is everybody needs accountability. So share this article with your children. Talk about you know what it what it, what they think about Major League Baseball players having to actually be banned from playing Fortnite when not inside um, the actual baseball game, and see what they think about those limits and restrictions being placed on them. All right, in our character focus today, we're going to be talking about moderation. Now, moderation, for most people, they think about how we say everything in moderation. That can be everything from food to drinking alcohol or um, video games, right, the internet, um, television, all of that can all be done in moderation. Moderation is actually defined as the avoidance or excess of extreme or extremes especially in one's behavior or political opinions or views. Another definition is the process of eliminating or lessening the extremes. So really what it is, it's a balance of self-discipline with spontaneous indulgences. So take, for example, media, right? Because that's where we really um, focus on. Right now, it's hard, like we just said, it's hard for adults to self-moderate. So it's definitely hard for children to self-moderate. We have the two extremes. We have um, maybe the parents and the families who allow all screen time all the time. You want to binge on Netflix every single day. That's great. You want to play video games instead of going to school. That's fine. You know, you want to spend all of this time on social media. Great. There's no limits. Everything's a go. Or we have the converse, which is we are banning all smartphones. No one's in the house is going to have smartphones. We're not going to have a television. We're not going to have Netflix the internet is going to be highly restricted or we're not going to have it at all, right? That's the other extreme. And then somewhere there in the middle is where we want to be. We want to be in the moderate place, avoiding those two extremes. And most of us really try and walk that fine line. And that's what we want to teach our children to do is to be able to self-moderate and to avoid those extremes. So when it comes to setting limits in order to build this character trait of moderation, you know, it starts young and it can be done in multiple different ways. It can be done avoiding um, excess food or it can be done with avoiding excess media or um, different things that your, your child really, really loves and would do all the time. Setting those limits when they're young, say they're a toddler, of course, we're not going to give them unlimited amount of screen time. Um, we're also not going to give them an unlimited amount of, say, ice cream or cookies. You know, there may be times where there's these spontaneous indulgences like, hey, you know what, we're going to have ice cream for dinner tonight because that just sounds like a fun thing to do, but we're not going to have ice cream for dinner every single night. So it's a balance between sometimes allowing it to have that pleasure of indulgence, but then balancing it to where most days we're going to set a healthy limit. Now, as children get older, past the toddler years, we want to start teaching them and expecting them to self-moderate. So I definitely recommend sitting down and talking with your children about what they feel are healthy limits. When they have input, that can often give them more motivation and encouragement to abide by their own limits that they are helping set. So for example, as we work our way into summer, we can ask them, what does it look like to self-moderate your time between say, reading a book, between playing on a screen, between playing outside physical activity. What, what balance do you feel like there is? Well, they may say, I want to spend zero time reading a book and I want to spend three hours playing video games. 
right? Well, there's got to be a balance and helping them create that balance and then holding them accountable to that balance helps them learn self-moderation. And then again, making them part of it can really encourage that. As they get older, more and more self-moderation must be expected. If they are meeting a certain level of expectations, such as they are getting all of their schoolwork done, they are maintaining their household chores, they're getting you know great grades, they've you know they work, they do all of the things that they're required to do, then you know it's very easy to say, okay, now you can have maybe as much video game time as you want, but all of these things have to continue to be maintained. And yes, it may be that they start indulging in five, six hours of it. But at some point, if their other expectations start slipping, they know that they've got to self-moderate. So a lot of times it's releasing those reins to allow them the opportunity to self-moderate while still holding them accountable to basic expectations of becoming an adult. I also think parents, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, anybody that's listening, right? This is so important for us as well. As we talked about these Major League Baseball players unable to self-moderate, we can be just as guilty. And often, we don't have an accountability layer above us telling us to get off our phone. This is where I think that it can be really helpful to either give your children permission to kind of remind you like, hey, you know, mom, dad, can you get off your phone? You know, we're eating dinner. Or maybe that be your spouse or someone else who can kind of say, how much time have you spent on your phone today? Because we need accountability because we too can fall into that inability to self-moderate because technology just feels so good. And we can say that we are doing work, but our children won't see it as work. We may be answering emails and texting and doing things on the internet that are required for our jobs, but our children will just see us looking at the screens. And that's really important because that does not show them self-moderation. So make sure that you set your own boundaries, ask someone to hold you accountable. You know, if you have to do those tasks throughout the day, batch them all at once. And maybe at the top of every hour, you spend 10 minutes answering text messages and emails. Um, But then the rest of the time, especially in summer, if you're together as a family or on vacation, you're not spending that that time um, endlessly looking at your phone um, because you're you're showing your children that you too cannot self-moderate. So I definitely encourage you to review your own self-moderation and set um, self-moderation goals for your children as summer approaches. In our app's five facts, we're going to be discussing the app Twitch. Now, the first thing that you need to know about Twitch is that it is an, an app that allows you to watch live gaming. Twitch offers you a stream of recommended feeds of people either playing video games. There's a couple other channels, but primarily it's focused on video games. There are people who stream their own video game playing to Twitch. And what Twitch can enable you to do is to watch other people play games. Now, every month, Twitch has 2 million unique streamers. And of those 2 million, 17,000 of them are earning money by just streaming themselves playing a video game. That might seem crazy to you, but there are people you know, probably, who like to watch other people play video games. And this is what the Twitch service is. Now, what's also interesting about how you're watching this live gaming, although Twitch is not really considered a social media platform, because so many of the Twitch streamers are also have a very popular um, like social media presence, 
a lot of times children will want a social media platform in order to follow their favorite streamers, not only on Twitch, but on the social media platform too. The second fact that you need to know about Twitch is that Twitch is also a website. Yes, it is an app and you can view the streaming and chat on the app, but to broadcast yourself, that cannot be done on the app. That can either be done from the website itself, or you can also use the app from um, Xbox One, PlayStation, Chromecast, um, Amazon Fire TV. All of those features allow you to broadcast, view, and chat, but the app itself only allows you to view and chat. So even if you don't allow this app, the features of Twitch are available at Twitch. TV. Now, Twitch is owned by Amazon, so someone who has Amazon Prime account can also acquire an, a free Twitch Prime account, and that allows you to have an ad-free experience watching other, other people's streams of video games, and also gives you a free subscription to one of the Twitch partners. The third fact that you need to know about Twitch is it does offer direct messaging. This is what a lot of apps offer. It's this feature where you can chat within the app, bypassing the normal text messages that you would utilize on a phone. This direct messaging um, allows for the communication not only between the streamers and the viewers, but then between viewers themselves. Each stream has its own unique chat room where users can connect. And they also have a feature that essentially works as kind of like a Facebook or Twitter feed where they're allowing people to post statuses and share and comment on other people's streams. So it, it does have a lot of social media features as well on top of this direct messaging. The fourth fact that you need to know about Twitch is about making money. Chances are, if you've heard about Twitch, it's either because children want to watch those streamers or they want to support those streamers, or they may want to stream themselves so that they can try and make money from playing video games. Now, how Twitch does this is, is this thing called partners and affiliates. And in order to become a partner or affiliate on your stream, you have to have at least 50 followers. And then once you have 50 followers, you can essentially start accepting subscriptions. Members can subscribe to your channel, your stream, and they are going to pay a, basically a monthly donation of either $4.99, $9.99, or $24.99 a month in order to watch you stream. That is amount of money in that subscription is then divided 50-50 between the streamer and Twitch. So this is how people can make money. You can also, aside from the subscriptions in these quote donations, you can also get sponsorships, advertisements, and affiliate sales all through Twitch, which is how some Twitch streamers are essentially replacing their normal salary with playing video games for a living. So this is how it's done is typically through Twitch. The fifth fact that you need to know is the rating system of Twitch. Now the App Store rates it as 17 plus and the Google Play Store rates it as T for teen. Now Twitch itself in its terms of service states that you must be 13 years or older to use the service. And if you're between 13 and 18, you should be doing it under parents' supervision. So that brings us to brave parenting stance. When we consider the app itself, we give it a 17 plus. So we're kind of agreeing with the app store here. Now the app on a smartphone or a tablet, again, only allows you to view the streams and to chat. It's not allowing you to broadcast. 
So what we can really consider is it's really a great boredom killer, you know, time waster, because it's easy to just jump on Twitch and sort of watch someone else play video games anytime you're bored. Maybe you're sitting in class and you have the app on your phone and your teacher's allowing you to be on your phone. It's just so easy to tune out, check out, and just watch someone else play video games. Also, the chat feature, because it allows the communication, you know, really globally, it can lead way to bullying and other harmful methods of communication within that because it can be deleted. It's all communication over the internet. It's not going to be kept on the hard drive of the phone. So we do believe that because Twitch is also a website, that using the website at younger ages could very well be okay for children probably about 10 to 12 as long as that it would be in an open space in the home where a parent can co-view and co-listen to what's going on on that and that stream of video game play. Because the streamers themselves can use any language and talk about anything and play any sort of video game that they want, there are going to be games, for example, like Grand Theft Auto that might be being streamed there that you would think would be highly inappropriate for a 10-year-old to watch. So it's important that you be involved in the process of watching um, video game streams on Twitch if you are allowing it to be used via the website twitch.tv. Otherwise, when it comes down to the app itself, it really is just a time waster. They can't broadcast themselves. So we believe that it really does take maturity because of that lack of self-moderation. And so it should be about 17 plus before gaining that app. All right, in our family focus, we're going to be talking about gaming apps on smartphones. Now, maybe this is something you've perhaps thought of and not thought of. Maybe you just automatically allow there to be gaming apps on your child's smartphone because that's what they want and you've allowed it. But it is something I really believe that should be reconsidered when we evaluate the industry of gaming apps. Now, just so that you know, gaming apps are the third most popular app category Um, just down from social media and then shopping. The global gaming revenue is, this accounts for over 50% of it. So the mobile gaming is more than 50% of all the gaming revenue. And it's 76% of all app revenue. In 2012, when the mobile gaming industry was really taking off, it was about $12 billion dollars. And now of revenue. And now they predict that by 2021, so in less than 10 years, it's going to increase 736% to over $106 billion in revenue. That is a lot of revenue for one industry. We can see why a lot of companies are investing in these mobile games because there's money to be made. And what they're making off of is our children's attention. Now, the top grossing mobile games. Um, Maybe this won't come to a surprise to you. The number one is Pokemon Go. The second uh, top grossing game is Fortnite, followed by Candy Crush and then Roblox. Now, although Candy Crush is third in the top grossing, the most popular app overall is Candy Crush. You can find the elderly as well as the young playing this game. It is definitely a game that has hit um, all generations. It has spans it all and it is loved by many. Now, when you consider whether or not you're going to allow these gaming apps on the smartphone, it really requires you to take into accountability this character trait, this virtue of moderation. Can your child self-moderate themselves 
to not be tempted to play the video game instead of interacting socially? Can they keep the phone aside and, you know, keep the video game aside when they're being required to focus, maybe in school or on the bus or, or any other time when there sort of is a requirement that you're present, but yet they can still have the phone. See, a lot of children now are, it's very hard for them to do that. That phone is just beckoning them to, to kind of take their mind off of things, to sort of lose themselves in this other reality or this other game just to pass the time. Back in our generation, of course, we didn't have anything like that. And so we got bored and that boredom, you know, led to other creativities. Now, these video games may not be bad, again, in moderation. We want to avoid the extremes. I think that if you don't have access to a computer or a game console at home and your child's screen time, the only screen time that they're going to get is on their smartphone, then gaming apps can probably be on there because that may be what they want to do when they have um, the free time of playing on a screen. However, if there is access to maybe an Xbox or a PlayStation or a computer at home that they can play the game on, I do believe that the, sm the smartphones themselves should not have the gaming apps on there. Something to consider based on the responsibility, maturity, and the self-moderation of each child. If you are allowing the gaming app, I definitely encourage you to use, like say if you're using Apple, make sure that you're checking the screen time weekly statistics. How much is that game being played during the week? If it's too much or bordering on too much, not only can you talk about it and say, hey, how often are you playing this game? Are you playing it when you shouldn't be? Um, is, it, is this all of this time happening in the evenings after school? You can also set limits right there on Apple screen time and only allow, if they have the game Fortnite, for example, or Pokemon Go, right? Allow only 45 minutes or maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half, depending on their age per day. You can set the limits um, different for the weekends than you are doing for the day during the school days. Now, if they have an Android phone, there's lots of the, the third-party parental controls that you can utilize as well as the digital well-being that allows you put, to put limits on the apps themselves. And this is important as we teach this self-moderation. Don't just impose it on your child, but talk about what do you think a healthy limit is, right? There's the extreme of you spending eight hours playing this video game, or there's the extreme where you don't have this app at all. Can you self-moderate and only play an hour? And then we're going to put a limit on there, you know, of say an hour and 15 minutes just to make sure that you are self-moderating. These are definitely important things to consider, um, especially regarding school and the school day. You know, I talk to so many educators who are frustrated, especially in the high school setting, because it's hard to pull children off of their smartphones. The children, it's just so easy, these teens, to just sit there and play a video game instead of learning. And so in their frustration, they just often teach to those who want to be taught. And if you want to sit on your phone and play video games the whole day, well, then we're just going to have to allow it because it's happening too much and too frequently to discipline every single child for that. So but this is where parents can really take the reins and own this this responsibility in our children. It is our job to teach self-moderation. We don't have to ban it all completely, but we need to talk about the importance of self-moderation. And if they can't self-moderate, setting limits or even not allowing the games on their smartphones at all. Well, this brings us to the end of our episode. If you missed anything on the show or you want to learn more, you can find us at braveparenting.net. 
or if you have questions about what we discussed today, you can email your questions to podcast at braveparenting.net for an in-depth look for how you can build strong character with this technology that kids love. You can pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available on Amazon. And if you are listening to us on iTunes, Google, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is, I encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. You can stay informed and equipped and recommend this to your friends so they too can stay informed and equipped. Thank you for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child needs a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next time, go and be brave.